0: Welcome to Fangirl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. We just cracked our backs so loud. Like, am I able to walk? Unclear yet. <laughs> Haven't gotten up. Don't know. Could be paralyzed, but it felt it great. It sounded like it felt great. It did. I feel so full. I just mm. inhaled a lot of food. Um, but I'm fine. Yeah, and then we immediately started talking about cookies. That's after how being we roll. Yeah, it was great. Um, how, how are you today? I feel like I haven't seen you at all this week. No. It's been a tragedy. We work together, but we don't see each other. No. I mean, I see you, but we don't hang out. No, we're two rows apart. Um, but we had a lovely little fangirl date on Saturday night. It's what I'm fangirling Would over. Would you
1: call it a fangirl date when the show that
0: we watch together
1: isn't... I mean, you shouldn't fangirl over this person.
0: No, but I'm going to fangirl over the okay, show. Okay. We were watching the Confessions of... Or whatever. I don't even know what the... Ted Bundy tapes? Yeah, the Ted Bundy tapes. That's what I'm calling it. That's not the actual name of the show. That's what I call it. Man, guys. I'm still only halfway through. I got one more episode further than you. I have one left. There are four. My question is... How did you not know this guy was a murderer? Like, for everyone's like, I don't know, he's kind of unassuming, normal, whatever. I'm like, no, this guy's a psycho. In every clip of him, I'm just like, ugh.
1: I don't know. I just feel like it was a different time. Sure. And people were just kind of ignorant. Of certain or characteristics. Innocence. Like, yeah. they didn't even know the term serial killer yet. True. That's fair. And maybe
0: we're biased because we know all of the horrible things that we he did. We don't trust anyone in 2019. True. But he just gives me the heebie-jeebies. He's in that level of, like, you're not a real person. Like, he's so... Inauthentic and crazy eyed, and well,
1: the one victim yikes. of his that escaped, mm-hmm. she felt it. She was like, "He is off," but he had a like a police badge, so she followed him anyway. Yeah,
0: in his Volkswagen
1: Bug. Yeah, like, no,
0: <laughs> no, an off-duty cop. No. no, no, that's not what they drive. That's not how it works. That's not how it works.
1: One thing that blows my mind over and
0: over again about this story is the, time the timeline line. it's a year less than it's the whole thing is like four years and that involves some like going to jail time for other things but all the murders it's a night it's a nightmare an actual nightmare and then you think about they didn't have the internet they weren't putting the pieces together and it's like how many people's lives could have been saved with some technology wow very good Really into it. And now, knowing that Zac Efron is going to be playing him, I just keep looking I looking it. at Ted. But I, I see it. We said older Ted Bundy, though. Yeah. But when he first starts committing these crimes, he's 28. Wow. Ugh. Real tough. Highly recommend on Netflix. Stress um, I ate too many Girl Scout
1: cookies. Yeah, we ate
0: a lot of Girl Scout cookies. Damn, those s'mores. Never had one. Bought them from some girl at... A, Gelson's. a girl scout a girl if scout you will. a girl scout <laughs> and i think the s'mores are my new favorite they're good they're th- really they're good like definitely top three they have an el fudge quality to them mm-hmm. that i really appreciate and smell and it was just like there for it yeah but s'more actually has two different kinds right
1: depending on your region unclear. I don't know. I feel like you might not get the sandwich one everywhere. Some of them are like chocolate covered graham cracker. Oh yeah. Which I also love that kind of cookie.
0: Mm -hmm. This is a sandwich Um, in California. Yeah. What are you fangirling over? I am
1: fangirling over my Dr. Jart rubber masks. I I got mine. I haven't worn one yet. So I got one for Christmas and they make me feel like a serial killer but Mm -hmm. in like a fun way. This is a
0: real serial killer themed (laughs) fangirling session. I don't know. I just...
1: I think they stay on really well, and I like mm-hmm. the way they feel. Probably hurting the environment when yeah. I throw them
0: away. A lot of rubber.
1: Yeah, but thoroughly enjoying them, and they were on sale at Sephora, so I bought three. Mm-hmm. I love
0: them. I bought three because I wanted to be like you. Um, I gave one away, and the only thing I don't—I haven't tried it yet, so I, I can't give you my assessment, but i the only thing I don't like about them is the creepy rubber baby face on the front. Yes, that's like, like
1: pouting. Yeah. It's like— like a kiss almost yeah or like uh i'm dead
0: yes i don't know there's something it's about like, it i don't care um, for
1: it. i'm gonna make a star wars reference i don't know <laughs> it's like Great. when han solo <laughs> is in that thing with his hands up you know what i'm talking about yeah i know i do <laughs> um trying to get on our subject Ooh, okay for today back on our fictional bands were there any that you think we missed last week? I realized we didn't shout out Michael Sky in the Sky Band from Sooner or Later. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I listened to that soundtrack. I mean, you just made a Star Wars reference. I feel like we have to talk about the Cantina well, Band. Yep. We Cantina missed... Band is great. We we missed the best the ca- part of Star Wars, maybe? And on a lot of people's like top lists. Like, people are very into the Cantina mm-hmm. Band. I think we, we missed that, and people were maybe upset about Arguably it. Arguably but... a one-hit wonder. Yeah, fair. (laughs) Their name is not the Cantina Band, but I don't know the full name because I don't know Star Wars. (laughs) Um, Uh, But I
1: never bring up Star Wars. Nope, never again.
0: Um, We're really exposing our weaknesses um, right there. All right. Should we just get into it with just like, I feel like we got to get it out of the way because we've talked about it so much. Our first band. What? What? Gem. Oh. Duh. <laughs> gem and the holograms, Gem and, the, and holograms. the Misfits. And the Misfits. If you don't know by now, we love them. Yeah. I don't
1: think we need to go all the way back into our history. I mean, no. listen to our gem series. Yeah, we, we have did a it. Whole We talked series. about the theme song and the cartoon themes. It's an ongoing gem
0: yeah. podcast. And it, it was just. It was a super fun cartoon, you know, primarily for girls, but then is a whole dose of crazy. But some serious tunes came out of this situation. As a reminder, Anne Bryant composed the music. The lyrics for the show's like featured songs were written by Barry Harmon. Britta Phillips sings the voice of Jim. Yeah, and you you have listed a couple of our favorites. I mean, first of all, the Jem theme song. I've got my eye on you. I think is my favorite. Yeah, I feel like we both really like that song. I'm um, also like a uh, deception. Ooh. Yeah. Tricky. I,
1: what it's, what's great about Jim is, number one, it's about being in a band, much like Joseph and the Pussycats. Yes. Two, there's like a mini music
0: video. In every time.
1: Every episode because it's the MTV generation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I appreciate. So it's like a little show within a show every time. And it allows you to get crazy things like there'll be magical killer whales or like, I don't know, there's random stuff that happens. Like unicorns and rainbows. Yeah, two of the greatest things in the world. Um, <laughs> says no one. It says no one. But a lot of people discount gem. They think it's like silly and dumb and weird. Here's what. You're wrong. And the gem movie didn't do it any favors. We need some sort of retribution. But this was a time was a look and like these girls were very cool the, the misfits dolls. the dolls she had bigger feet than barbie she was more anatomically correct i don't know there was so much going on yeah. for Jem that i really appreciated and you get, yeah you get the misfits a rival band a rival band and who are also good yeah but like in I a different still, way all i want
1: is juliette lewis to be in the misfits like how much work do i have to do to make this happen
0: i need to know more about kesha like, uh, can I'm interested in what would have happened with Kesha in the Gem sequel? In the that Gem was, sequel, they set up.
1: Yes, like that would have worked for me too, honestly. But the like Misfits. Kesha had a, like so much yeah terrible stuff happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Right, there's no way like she. I think she could participate in a sequel had know, but, the movie been good. But
0: maybe now, like I feel like we're coming. I don't know. Things are happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I I love it. I unabashedly love Gem. Great fictional band of the 80s. Yes. Who do you have? I am going to pick one that I don't think you know at all. Ooh, probably not.
1: It's The Stains. Yes, I did not. From the movie Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. This movie came out, I think, in 81. Okay. But I kept reading 80, 81, 82. Interesting. And that's because it had a very short-lived theatrical release, like practically nowhere and then it kind of it was airing on like cable or like television movies okay then that's how it kind of gained like an underground cult fan base okay this movie after her mother's death teenager corinne forms a punk band with her sister and cousin despite their lack of musical experience and talent Mm -hmm. this movie stars a baby diane lane and a baby laura dern i mean already sold very important right so just to touch on the movie real quick They start this band, they've only had like three practices, but a cool Rastafarian man is like, hey, I saw you, I saw you guys perform, I think you're cool, do you want to go on tour with this metal band and a punk band? Now, they go, they're not very good, obviously, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but things happen, Um, they kind of start to get there, and then... Diane Lane's character kind of gets together with, like, the punk guy, but he's kind of shitty, so she takes his song, and that song kind of launches them. They've changed their image. They're, like, super cool, uh-huh. tough, but then, like, stardom movies, they, like, crash and burn. Right. It's a great movie. Okay. Honestly. How did you know about it? My mom. Okay. I think this is much like a sooner or later. It's something she saw on TV, Yeah. And it was finally released on DVD years and years and years, and years later... And she bought it, and that's how I was introduced to it. Okay, gotcha. The title is obviously a play on Ladies and Gentlemen, The Rolling Stones, which Mm -hmm. came out in 73. It was written by Nancy Dowd, who did Slapshot. She wrote on SNL. Oh, yeah. Uh Um, But she actually got credited under Rob Morton. Because she didn't get along with the director. The director was Lou Adler. He managed the Mamas and the Papas. Um, Carol King, he produced Rocky Horror Picture Show. Basically discovered Cheech and Chong and directed the movie. Whoa. Yeah, he was a big deal. Uh-huh. But they didn't get along. She was also harassed, like sexually harassed on the set for like being the only woman. And Great. she was just like, fuck you guys, I'm out. Uh-huh. But she gave us this gift. Unlike most underground cult movies, this was actually made by Paramount. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool, right? It was so weird that that's why it like didn't get a good theatrical release. They were like, they were no. like, mm, this is mm, I don't I don't understand this punk band. Yes, not for me. Meanwhile, trying to get this movie made, Laura Dern, she's 13 <gasps> at
0: this time. Oh, real BB. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's done
1: some acting. Yes. Yeah. She wants to do this movie. Her mom refuses to lab. let her go on location, <laughs> mm-hmm. so she. Gets emancipated and goes to do this movie. Huh. Interesting. Also, she's very tall and she's only 13. She gets emancipated so she can do this. Yes. Alright. Didn't know. I she must have seen what how powerful this movie is. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of this movie, you also notice that Laura Dern is taller. Because they had to reshoot the ending because of the clash between writer director, they like reshot some things, kind of made the ending happier. Okay. By having an MTV like music video. Spoiler. Uh Uh-huh. And basically the stains inspired real-life riot girl of the early 90s. Interesting.
0: I'm perfect. But nobody in this shithole gets me, because I don't put out.
1: Courtney Love love, loved this movie. Um, Bikini Kill was a huge fan. Toby Vile said it's the most realistic and profound film I've ever seen. Whoa. Bon Jovi, also a big fan of this movie, and he dated Diane Lane later. Interesting. Did not know. Was it because of this movie? Maybe. (laughs) Um, Love that. they They have two songs in this movie. Waste Your Time is kind of... It's their first single, I would say. It's not the greatest. It's always like... Okay. A work in progress when uh-huh. they perform it. I'm a waste
0: of time. I'm a waste of time. Look at your paycheck. You've and then so The hard.
1: Professionals is Where's their big song that gets them like this crazy following of girls who That's all dress like them. They stole. Which is why this fictional band has a perfect Halloween costume.
0: Ooh.
1: They wear skunk hair.
0: Oh, okay. It's blonde
1: and black. Really cool red eyeshadow, like, red tops with, like, black underwear or leotards and tights. It's so, like, it's perfect late 70s, early 80s, like, punk rock. Uh, Also, members of The Clash and Sex Pistols are
0: in this movie. Oh, whoa. Like, this is a legit movie you need to see. So if you're, it's Halloween 2019, you're out on the streets, and you see another group of girls, like, dressed like this band uh-huh. would you just go right up and be like we need to be friends yeah <laughs> like who actually, are you
1: <laughs> i would love to have a group because there are scenes in this movie basically showing their fandom but it's tons of girls like on escalators and stuff all in this look oh like various yeah. versions of it mm-hmm. but it looks so cool and i think it's a perfect group costume that's fun but you really have to know the movie to appreciate it yeah yeah Um, more recently, there's a band called X-Hex and they did a tribute, um, to the, in their music video called Don't Wanna Lose, which is basically scenes from the final, like taking scenes from the end of The Fabulous Stains for their music video. Okay. And it's pretty perfect. And they also happen to have a song called Waste
0: Your Time. Huh. You love this. Yeah. I had no idea. You should watch it. I I mean, I'm very intrigued now. It's super underrated. Huh.
1: Kind of hard to find. You can buy it on DVD. Did I find it online illegally? Maybe. Yeah.
0: (laughs) If you need the link, send us an email (laughs) at hellofangirls at gmail.com. Okay. So that was a good one. I am going to transition into another movie band that had some, like, real-world inspiration, meaning it inspired other people. Okay. Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate from Coming to America. We talked about this a lot. I was sort of surprised that there weren't more fictional bands in the 80s. Me too. Like, we both were kind of not struggling, but we're like, I don't know. It's just. No, I think this will be a shorter episode. It was pretty difficult. Right. So then I'm doing some research on sexual chocolate, and there's not a ton right away. And I was like, oh no. Um, So, Coming to America is one of my favorite movies.
1: I didn't know that Ever. about
0: you. I love it. I've probably it's seen great. it 200 times. <laughs> like, love, love, love the movie. So Randy Watson, you know, they are it's this – I don't even know where they are or, like, what they're doing. It's, like, some sort of church event or, like, a, like some sort of philanthropic thing. I don't know. But Randy Watson, who is played by Eddie Murphy, um, he is the front man for sexual chocolate. And so as I was reading this, I was just like, man, I'm not going to find – much on this situation but a couple of things about sexual chocolate one in some circles sexual chocolate is credited with being the pioneer for the mic drop oh Uh uh-huh because you know at the end when he sings um the greatest love of all and then drops the mic and yells sexual chocolate and it's just like hope so yeah it's a little bit sexual chocolate a little bit eddie murphy um this is kind of like an 80s situation and eddie murphy would drop the mic but sometimes he would do it like in the middle of something it wasn't kind of the definitive like i'm out mm-hmm. situation and so a lot of people will credit sexual chocolate with the mic drop two things so i talked about this being an inspiration um so this character obviously seems minor doesn't appear like he doesn't appear for well. a yeah. while. He has a very robust backstory that we sort of learn in this scene. You would sing, think like, okay, this is a minor character in this movie. But he inspired Questlove of Roots to name a side project of his the Randy Watson experience. And I was like, What? That's what amazing. an impact. What an impact. Anyway, so I read this very interesting blog post on this site. It's called Dickie Be on the Streets. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he was saying that, like, this is a very common, like, everyone knows a person like Randy Watson. So, Randy Watson in the movie, he is famous for playing Joe the policeman on What's Going Down on an, like, on an episode of That's My Mama. Mm-hmm. So, That's My Mama was a real show, which I did not know. And it ran from September 4th, 1974, till December 24th, 1975. It had 39 episodes. This episode that they reference is not a real episode of the show. But essentially, like, he is that person that got really close to fame in some way, didn't achieve it, but, like, can't let it go. Uh And so they were saying that, like, this is a very, you know, everyone knows someone like this. And it's, like, sad and funny all at the same time and this... Um, blog post was like crediting like Eddie Murphy with being sort of the genius to kind of like slide in a character like this. And it was saying that like this is one of the most honest characters that Eddie Murphy has ever played. And I was just like, wow, Randy Watson. I just thought he was this like sad blue leisure suit wearing guy. No, There is
1: backstory. There's a
0: lot of backstory. Um, And then finally, in the scene with sexual chocolate, um, one of the old guys who's played like Clint Smith says like that boy good, and then that part is sampled or not sampled, but Jay Z references that line in Empire State of Mind. That's why I was listening That's to. That's why what you were listening to it. Yeah.
1: I walked in, I was like, what? Yeah, it was just randomly, First of all, you're never listening to music,
0: never. so mm-hmm. that was
1: weird off the bat. Yes. And then then I'm listening to Jay Z and Alicia Keys, yeah. Then it's that particular song.
0: Yeah, but it's a very small chunk of this movie. But it's they're a very great, important one. Very important, long-lasting, apparently, you know, made a big impression. And the greatest love of all is rendition. Wonderful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all I have. That's all I have. Okay, my next one. I know I've talked about this before. I mean, maybe just dropped it here and there. But I need to talk about the mystery or... Jenny and the mystery depends mm-hmm. from the movie Satisfaction.
0: You know why and when we talked about it? During Jim. Because Berta Phillips is in the movie. And she sings. Mm-hmm.
1: So this movie is about, after graduating high school, Jenny Lee, played by Justine Bateman, <laughs> and her rock and roll band The Mystery head to Florida to audition for a summer gig. Already great. Along the way, they have a few mishaps Including getting their van totaled, adding a male keyboardist to Uh their all-female lineup. Mishap. (laughs) And they meet a club owner named Falcon, played by Liam Neeson. And maybe there's some, like, love happening between he and Justine Bateman. Interesting. And basically everything comes crashing down, and I think they... Go back home and go to college.
0: The end. (laughs) The end. Here's the lesson. Go to college. This is
1: one of the few theatrical movie productions of Aaron Spelling and NBC. That's so weird. You would have thought that he would have made way more movies. But it makes a lot of sense because this feels like a TV movie. Oh, okay. This doesn't feel like a real movie. All right. Okay. Like a real movie. Uh But I love it and I almost bought it on Laserdisc once. Right. So, also, this is the first movie for Justine Bateman and... Julia Roberts. She's on the bass. She's on the bass. It's already the coolest right there because she has the huge curly hair mm-hmm. on bass. She yeah. cannot play at all. Yeah, it's like Mystic but, Pizza hair. Yes, Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. She actually started dating Liam Neeson oh. during and after this movie. <laughs> hmm. Are they the same age? He seems so old. Um, he's old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only member of this band who could sing... Also played the guitar in the band, and that was Britta Phillips, mm-hmm. and voice of Jim. Questionable, can she sing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's your opinion. Yeah, sure. I, I like it, but it's not great. Uh, the movie's soundtrack is credited by Jenny Lee and the Mystery. They always play at this cool bar, and by cool, it's not that cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have nine to twelve tracks on the soundtrack. All performed by session players. Justine Bateman unfortunately sang the lead vocals. Britta Phillips also did some background vocals. Unfortunately, Justine Bateman cannot sing. That's tough. It is bad.
0: It's they, real tough.
1: Yeah, in a singing movie. I think they do all covers except for one song, maybe. Okay. Uh, they obviously do "Satisfaction" by the Rolling Stones. Makes sense. They do. What do they do? "Knock on
0: Wood." There's oh. a lot of cowbell. Okay. Justine Bateman's <laughs> instrument of choice. Um, there's, She's like, if I can't sing, I'm going to play this cowbell. Uh, yeah. It's
1: it's weird because the band is bad, but they just look so cool it doesn't matter. Yeah. Also need to say that the drummer is Meg from Little, the 90s Little Women.
0: Oh. All right, sure. All-star <laughs> band. <laughs> I feel like you just hit the 80s on the head with, like, they weren't that great, but they looked amazing. Yes. Like, that's just, like, the 80s. Yeah.
1: Uh, Courtney Love auditioned for a role Did not get it Maybe the band would have been better Is this becoming
0: a Courtney Love podcast? We've Should twice. There's a lot to talk about There's a
1: lot Maybe she'd be on it Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The only original song I think it's original Really portrays Justine Bateman's voice In the worst way Oh no Because it's more of a ballad Oh no Like the
0: raindrops touch the land Like the ocean hugs the sand like the sun kisses the leaves talk to me it's a mess his name is falcon yes. let's revisit that yeah falcon. let's revisit that mm-hmm. i don't remember that i had to read it um was that like a that must be a chosen name no one looks at a baby and is like let's call him falcon Mm, yeah it's like a nickname you have to earn it i guess the balloon boy his name was falcon if i remember correctly (laughs) (laughs) so maybe some people do look at a baby and say we shall call him falcon
1: but this band is bad overall but they look cool and that's what counts and you love
0: them yeah i love them i love this
1: movie i am a sucker for a girl band movie and i always will
0: be oh yeah because there aren't enough of them yeah. And anytime, you know, and you're in a band, so I get it. Yeah, but I think my ultimate dream is to be in a fictional band. You get you get the movie and you play kind of an instrument. Completely. So fun. Great. My next fictional band, Marvin Berry and the Starlighters from Back to the Future. I feel like this is controversial. Why? Because
1: it's one scene. I mean, so is Coming to America, kind right. of. Mm-hmm. But also, like...
0: He steals music from Chuck Berry? Like, I don't know. Well, so that's that's like the whole thing, right? You know, that Calvin Klein, Michael J. Fox, <laughs> plays Johnny Be Good, and then Marvin Berry holds up the phone and is like calling his cousin Chuck and is like, here's the sound you've been listening, you know, you've been looking yeah. for, blah, blah, blah. So we're supposed to believe that, you know, they're they, they essentially, with Calvin Klein's help, create rock and roll. Through Chuck Berry. Now, there's a little bit of a timing mishap here if we want to get real technical because the date of this night is November 12th, 1955. Mm -hmm. In real life, Chuck Berry had already been called an up and coming talent by Billboard. So he was already on the radar. Maybe he hadn't found that sound yet. Maybe he hadn't found that sound. And you know, like, Robert Zemeckis is, like, asking these questions, like, in the production process. But so Marvin Berry is actually played by Harry Waters Jr. He did the singing. He actually did the singing, which in a lot of these fictional bands, people are not actually doing the singing. Um, The Starlighters were played by Tommy Thomas, Granville, Danny Young. I don't know where you get Danny out of Granville. Um, David Brown and Lloyd L. Tolbert. So they obviously played Johnny Be Good, but I think everyone kind of remembers their rendition of Earth Angel. Earth Angel, Earth Angel will you be mine? my darling
1: dear? Love you all the time. Like yes. I can hear
0: it mm-hmm. in my brain, you know, as I was doing all of this. And so Earth Angel was actually a cover. It was a song by a band called The Penguins.
1: I listened to The Penguins this morning.
0: Stop it. You did not. Yeah. Um, This is their only hit. It was their first single and their only hit. Um, It went on to sell 10 million copies. And they were from South L.A., actually, which I really sort of appreciated. But Earth Angel has been in several other movies or, like, television shows, which I did not remember. So the 1991 film, Earth Angel was named after it. That Jacks. Yep. It was in Happy Days, obviously Back to the Future, um, but then also in Superman 3 and the Karate Kid 2, okay. which I found very interesting. And then that song, the original recording of it, um, was submitted as one of the 50 recordings by the Library of Congress. It was added to the National Recording Registry. Mm. Yeah, because it's culturally, historically, and aesthetically important. And yeah, I was just my like, next
1: one kind of goes along with that. Perfect.
0: Actually. So yeah, it's like a very small, it's like a very small band, very small thing, but it's such a crucial part of that movie. And then you know, so much is happening, and you know, Marty's whole family is disappearing in that photo, and it's all be- the soundtrack the of that whole scene intense. is Marvin Berry and the Starlighters. Who do you have? I need to touch on probably
1: the most successful fictional band of all time. Yeah. Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. Mm -hmm. Came out in 1984. Mockumentary, directed and co-written by Rob Reiner. It stars Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shear as the fictional British metal band Spinal Tap. And Rob Reiner plays their manager? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It is... Iconic, like the number one cult film. It actually
0: didn't do that well its first run in theaters. I could see that because it was so different, I feel like, than anything. (laughs) People were like, wait, what? What am Uh, I watching? They're watching Magic. Uh That's
1: what they're watching. So it wasn't that successful its first round, got a cult following, and in 2002 it was deemed Culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. Love it. And selected for preservation by the United
0: States National Film Registry. Amazing. Amazing! It's incredible. It's insane. This, like, mockumentary kind of spoof movie. What? That's crazy. Good for America, though. (laughs) Way to recognize our treasures. Please continue. So
1: the idea of this movie was Like, pulled inspiration from a lot of famous rock and roll documentaries. Mm -hmm. Also, Rob Reiner went to a Judas Priest concert Mm -hmm. to prep for the film. Great. I imagine he was very inspired. If you've seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot, I assume that's what he saw and and it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. You get so many, like, iconic moments from this movie. Turn it to 11. Their amps go to 11. That's a huge thing, even... This movie's IMDb page, it goes to 11, their rating. Stop Instead it. of 10.
0: Good for you, Amazon <laughs> owners of IMDb.com. Great.
1: Yes. And, like, Harry Shear getting trapped in that pod. Yeah. During,
0: <laughs> Sorry, forgot about that. No, during a song where
1: they're all playing bass. Mm-hmm. They're all playing bass. <laughs> and, like, there's a Stonehenge hinge bit where they, the woman that was asked to create the Stonehenge, but it was only 18 inches. Yeah. I rewatched this movie last night, and it's still... So So incredibly funny and good. I haven't seen it in so long. Just a little backstory on, you know, I love Christopher Guest documentaries. Uh, Waiting for Goughman's my favorite. Mm -hmm. But just a little backstory on where this kind of came from. Michael McKean and Christopher Guest met in college in New York City in, like, the late 60s, and they did play music together. They worked with Harry Shearer and Rob Reiner on a TV pilot in 76 for a sketch comedy show called The TV Show, which featured a parody rock band called Spinal Tap. During production of the sketch, uh, McKean and Guess began to improvise and invented their characters, essentially. So that's where they came from. Wow. Love that. Guest had, he had experience playing guitar under the name uh, Nigel Tufnell before on Michael McKean and David Lander's album, Lenny and the Squigtones. I almost
0: brought up Lenny and the Squigtones. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know it well enough to like really be able to talk about it. But okay, I'm glad that we got to bring it up at some point because I felt a little bad that we weren't going to talk about it. I didn't even consider it. This movie had amazing songs like Hellhole,
1: Big Bottom, <laughs> Heavy Duty, Sex Farm, Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight, Stonehenge, <laughs> and the song Give Me Some Money was featured in the movie Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like Big Bottom is Big like Bottom the, one is the one everyone knows. The bass, but it's like everyone knows that. Like, we might not yeah, know I feel like that it's that's from. my
1: favorite one. That's yeah, the standout number. <laughs> <laughs> also, when I was watching this, I was like, is Christopher Guest kind of cute? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Kind of. The answer is yes. Yes. Um, but this like, catapulted, like, it never ended. No. I would almost say it's like, they're Weird Al, but they're not, like, they're not making parody songs. These are original songs. They're original songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just kept going. They still pop up here and there. They do. So, mm-hmm. they had a follow-up single after the movie. They had a book. They were... Like in an episode of The Simpsons where Bart goes to a Spinal Tap concert. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Shear obviously is attached to The Simpsons. Right. That was easy enough. Right. They did a two-hour made-for-TV sequel, The Return of Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. They had a concert at Royal Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. They were also happened to be my first concert Uh, June 20th, 1992. My parents took me to a free show.
0: For a while, the only thing in the outline for Spinal Tap was just, this was my first concert. And I was like, is that all you're going to say? Because that's amazing. Um,
1: In 2000, they did VH1, Where Are They Now? Which I remember watching. I remember that. That was Mm -hmm. really funny. Uh, They did another album in 2009. They've been on uh, tons of late night shows. And in 2018, Harry Shear did a solo album as Derek Smalls. called Small Small
0: Change. <laughs> How old were you when you first saw the movie? I don't know. Had you seen the movie when you went to the concert? I was two. I know. Three. Oh, and I right. You are not born the same year that I am. Um, I I feel like everyone discovers this movie when they're like fifteen or like something like that. Because yeah. it's like you need to kind of understand. Like the medium, but also then like what's how this actually,
1: world works. Yes,
0: and so I feel, like I I believe I watched it. I was either a freshman or sophomore in high school for the first yeah. time. Um, a lot of musicians
1: loved this movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Ozzy Osbourne wasn't laughing with everyone when he watched it oh. because he thought it was a real documentary.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. He didn't get but it. But
1: everyone thought it was real. They really related to, like, when they're trying to find the stage and they keep getting lost. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a great one.
0: It really is great. It's a great movie. It's a great band. I think a lot of people probably just think it is a real band. Yeah. Like, and don't know. Even,
1: like, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, whatever. Yeah. When you watch this one, I can't believe it's ad-libbed. Yeah.
0: Like, it's so tight. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Right. It's a very... Now, and we'll shoot. Now I just need to watch it again. Yep. <laughs> there goes my weekend. Everyone's going to have to watch it. It's really great. Um, Something I wanted to bring up, we debated on whether or not we could include this. So the revolution from Purple Rain. I, I was like, it's just Prince. <laughs> yeah, I said like, no. I said no. It, yeah. Like, it's semi-biographical. Wendy and Lisa are
1: in it. They're his real bandmates. It doesn't...
0: Yeah, and it was like, you know, and Apollonia plays Apollonia. Like, it's like everyone. The only thing is, like, Prince is in Prince. He's the kid. And it's just like, I was like, I. It, yeah, more in the prince.
1: time is more Day more in the time. time. I know.
0: So it was, it, it didn't feel fictional enough.
1: Yeah. And I also put this one in kind of a uh, category because they really don't have music, but it's a standout <laughs> fictional band because it's the worst fictional band, yet the greatest band of all time uh-huh. because in. 2,688, the year, <laughs> humanity has built a an entire utopia thanks to the music of Wild Stallions yes. from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. So in the movie, you just see them like doing that air guitar movement right. and being terrible. Yeah. I mean, yes, they go back in time and... Have, a gr-
0: have an excellent adventure. <laughs> they have a time, back in time.
1: And they get the two girlfriends at the end who will be their bandmates mm-hmm. when they become successful. But right. we don't get to see that. Right. We just so we have was, to believe it. Yeah.
0: Does it count? Yeah, sure. I think so. Yeah. Based on the future, yeah, I
1: guess. And they then they kind of almost play guitar at the end of Bogus Journey.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Can't say, have I seen Bogus Journey? I actually think... I might have seen Bogus Journey more, really, because I remember that like Grim Reaper, white faced uh, character. Wait, that's in two. Yeah. Oh yeah. George Carlin is excellent adventure. Mm-hmm. Bogus Journey has like Grim Reaper guy.
0: Oh. All right, then I have seen. And it. then
1: there's maybe a third one. I, I was coming, just say. which I support a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We need it. We need more things need to put more, in the Library of we Congress. We need more Keanu doing comedy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, he's going to be in a Netflix comedy coming soon. TBD. Great. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm like, it's weird because I don't know if all of these bands feel very 80s. Yeah. I mean, Gem and the Misfits feel very 80s. Spinal Tap, I feel like, is ageless, like, ageless. it could be anytime. And so I'm just like, oh, satisfactions '80s. Yeah. Um,
1: we didn't mention Eddie and the Cruisers. I know nothing about them. I didn't want to yeah. get into it.
0: I know I'm kind of the same way. And but they came up on. Every but I know list. that is one. <laughs> we know we know it's a thing. Much like we know Star Wars. Star is Wars a exists. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars exists. Natalie and I not the people you want to talk to about it. No. Maybe that should be a series. We just watch all the Star Wars movies and just ask each other dumb I questions. I think everyone. On the face of the earth would hate us it's if kind we of, did that kind of like our all of our, our questions about holograms like we don't know how they work yeah that's, i mean that was the conclusion we like came to star
1: wars fans to watch jim and the holograms to try to figure that out yeah please tell please tell us and that's
0: our challenge deal <laughs> um okay those are our fictional bands of the 80s 90s and 2000s get hot 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 the 2000s is incredible blowing I think it's our minds because
1: in the 2000s we start having fictional bands from past decades yes which it is becomes a little more complicated right
0: very becomes a little confusing but we're into it nonetheless so as always guys if you want that link for natalie's bootleg movie please email us at hellofangirls at gmail.com mm-hmm. find us on or social buy it. or buy it support them Sure. Yeah. Diane Lane (laughs) needs the money, it. Laura Dern and Diane Lane need that money. Uh, Find us on social. Leave us a review. So until next week, Bye. bye.